Welcome back to another episode of Staying Outside the Podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Ming, and joining me today is someone who doesn't usually join me like Cam does every single episode. Uh, Cam's away at school. Uh, it's a weird thing to prioritize school over the podcast. Uh, teach their own. Today, actually joining me is a former top 3,000 CFL prospect at the age of 14, a golf prodigy, an avid reader of textbooks. He's my childhood best friend, Trey Lindstrom. Trey, how's it going, brother? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Were any of those points I just put out accurate? I think they're all accurate, actually. Yeah? Uh, yeah, we'll say, we'll say 3,000, 4,000 for, for CFL picks there. Yeah, okay. Um, golf Prodigy, for sure. Didn't work out too well, but uh, yeah, childhood best friend. You got that right. Okay, sweet. We'll see what you're up to in life right now. You want to say who you are, what you're doing? Yeah, so grew up in Vancouver area and then moved out to beautiful Edmonton, Alberta for school at the U of A. So beautiful. Um, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, still sticking to my Canucks roots. We'll never, ever leave that team. As crazy as that sounds, I've stayed loyal. So even being surrounded by Oilers fans constantly. but He's just a, just a loyal... Loyal fan. Loyal guy. Loyal guy for sure. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll just jump right into it. I think th- this episode, we're just going to talk about the Canucks. Uh, we have a new voice, some new thoughts uh, to go over. So it would be nice to get your thoughts on some of these things that we've previously talked about. Coming up here, probably in the next season, uh, who even knows if it happens next season, but uh, we're going to get a new captain for the Vancouver Canucks. Three, three to four uh, picks you can kind of go from. You can go with Pedersen. You can go with Quinn Hughes. You can go with Miller. You also could go with uh, former captain Oliver ekman Larson. Who do you think would be the next captain, in your opinion? My opinion, honestly, Isaac, I think my gut reaction upon that is uh, Pedersen for sure. I think he is the most dominant, the best player on our team. And obviously, I think we'll grow into that leadership role in the next couple of years. Obviously, that's been Bo the last few. And I think that Miller would be that player if if PD wasn't there. But I think just based on how the fans and how speculations about different relationships throughout the locker room, um, just like if you saw Patterson's comments a couple weeks ago, um, like he calls Miller like more of a teammate than than a friend, and I feel like that dynamic and and what you hear from from around the fans that that Miller isn't the best leader on and off the ice. Um, obviously, he gets guys to do their job, which is which is good. But I think you need that that respect factor there if you want to be the captain as well, too. So. I think PD will fit that job perfectly. Um, obviously, I think he has some things to learn for sure. Um, but I think uh, PD would be my top choice for sure. So 
in the in the universe that let's say PD doesn't actually want it. He doesn't really, it to me. So this is kind of my opinion. Um, he doesn't really seem the most comfortable in front of the media when he goes out and talks and rushes to his answer and doesn't really want to give his full thoughts. Yeah, he seems like the kind of person who doesn't want to get in trouble necessarily. I don't like he doesn't really come off as the kind of guy who would want to be a captain. My pick, if it wasn't Pedersen, I would like obviously I would, I would love for it, for it to be uh, Elias to be the captain, but I really do think that. Quinn would be an awesome captain, and I don't think he's a bad choice. He marches out in front of the media all the time and gives the answers that I don't even think the management would want him to give. But like uh, when he talked about the Pearson thing, he disclosed a bunch of information that no one even really knew until Quinn said that, right? And I don't think Quinn really has a problem going out in front of the media and really giving his thoughts. He's also our probably our second best player, even our best player on some nights. No, I like that take for sure. Um, it's yeah, just going back to Patterson, like I, I could foresee them like taking a year or two, just kind of like they did before they made Bo the captain, um, just without a captain and just see who kind of naturally develops in that role. Um, I like your point about Hughes kind of taking on those more, not controversial things, but maybe things that go unsaid in the media. I, I really like when players come forward. So they, uh, I really like that point. So yeah, I could definitely see, definitely see uh, Quinn becoming the captain as well. Cause he would be, he's debatably the best player on our team as well too. So like, I think you could argue both sides for sure. Now I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here. Yeah. I want to, I want to see an argument for Miller. Give me an argument for why Miller should be the captain. Why he should be the captain. Yeah. Because I feel like in the fan base, no one wants Miller to be the captain. No. It's kind of, it's, everyone has that same opinion. But I want yeah. you to give why uh, Miller should be the captain. Um, well, the positive aspects of his game that he's actually shown these last few weeks now that talk it's come in is that he's become noticeably more dominant um, and I think that's a result of Tockett's more structured coaching style. But Miller is visibly the most, I don't want to say passionate because I believe everyone on our team is pretty passionate about the game. But I think Miller plays with a lot of grit and toughness that you don't see in a lot of top forwards on teams. Um, and I think that goes a long way in showing his heart and passion for the game. Like you take earlier this year when he was slamming on the back of the net for guys to get up the ice. So like, or uh, who was that? Colin Delia. It was in the, yeah, to get to the bench. So it's like, it's stuff like that. Obviously, obviously that's not probably the best place to do that, but he's a big heart on his sleeve kind of guy and he gets guys to do their job. So it's just kind of the same with like rough coaches as well. Like not everyone's going to love them, but if you can, if you can get their respect and get guys to do their jobs and be a leader in the dressing room, then that's what a captain's supposed to do. Right. So I think that that would be a case for Miller as he's, he's more open with that. And he's, he's definitely the most plays with the most aggression and, and grit on the team for sure, in my opinion. So um, that's, that would be my, my vote right. for him. A little bit off topic. This is a kind of a, a take that I had that Cam really disagreed with. Would you say JT Miller is a power forward or would you say he's a, a different type of player? 
I think I think the power forward in today's NHL is kind of developing and constantly evolving based on the new changes to the game and the more skill and speed that you're seeing. Like you look at power forwards ten years ago and you look at guys like Zach Cassian and, and Milan Lucic and stuff like that. Um, but I think as the game evolves and it becomes a little bit more skill and speed based that you're starting to see more guys like JT Miller that are playing with a lot of aggression but are still able to put up 30, 35 goals in a year. And like I feel like some people could even consider Bo Horvat a power forward as well. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd classify him as a power forward just yet, but like maybe give him a couple years and see where the game goes. But like um yeah, I, I don't disagree with that take for sure. Yeah, I kind of explain I the way I explained it was that he's more of like a new age power forward because like like you said, there's not like the typical power forward that we grew up kind of knowing, right? Like I think the way Miller plays is that he's re- he like really plays a fast game and he tries to hit you every single time and that as the game slims down as in like the more of a stature wise right like no one's really there's there's no ryan reeves out there anymore like you said so no i agree and even and even Bo, like the way that he plays as well sometimes uh it's more uh-huh. like i guess they're more of like a finesse power forward i'd say but yeah uh moving on i, I like your your take on miller there i feel like all those points were pretty decent to why he should be a captain i don't really think he should be the captain but I don't think I'd be too mad. Do you think some of his success, because you said it might be coming from Tocket, but do you also think that it might be because Bo is out of the room and maybe he's taking more of a leadership role? Yeah, maybe. And and that's why I think they give it a year, a year and a half, just to see where that team develops and who takes, like naturally takes that role in the dressing room. Um. So yeah, who knows? Maybe he will gain that respect from the um from the fan base um that he doesn't have in the slightest right now (laughs) but yeah i could uh i could definitely see i don't think it's out of the picture uh to consider him for that role for sure we'll move on in like the in staying on topic with jt but onto a different topic we'll start off like this do you think jt is a center or a winger Uh, that's a good question i think if we had a stanley cup contending team he would be a second line center. Um, but on our team right now, I think he is the first line winger. I think it's the other way around. I think Miller right now is a, is a center, but if we had a good team around us, then he's a winger because then we would mm. actually have someone to slot in at center. Very true. That's actually a really good point. But going on to the winger talk, uh, I have it written down here as we have a really, really uh, too many wingers, I, sh- I guess I should say. Um, let me list them off, and I just want to get your opinion on who should go? Who you? Who do you think is kind of like a wing, like wingers to stay for the future? Uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, Tanner Pearson, Nils Hoglander, Anthony Bovillier, Andre Kuzmenko, Vitaly Kravtsov, Vasily Podkolzin, Ilya Mikheyev, Connor Garland, and Brock Besser. Um. Well, first of all, I want to talk about Kuzmenko because he's absolutely blowing me out of the water this year. 61 points in 68 games, 34 point or 34 goals. Yeah, it's insane. I was a little skeptical about his signing a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on I wasn't sure where the team's 
direction was going and management's uh, future goals for the team. Uh, I still don't. I don't think anyone does. Um, but I honestly love him on the team. Super happy to have him. Um, I want to bring up Besser, though. And kind of wanted to ask what you're thinking about his play recently. Because he's, I don't know what his last few games are, but uh, his name is popping up on the score sheet a lot more than it has been in the last few months as well. If you asked me this question about two months ago, I'd say get rid of Besser, like sell. But uh, yeah, where do you think he fits on this team right now? Well, right now he has 46 points in 61 games, which uh, for what everyone's been saying about Besser this year, it's not a bad stat line. I think the glaring hole on that stat line is 13 goals because everybody wishes that he'd be that 30 goal scorer that we saw in the first two seasons. But like, 100%. I just, I just think he's better off somewhere else. I don't think he fits what Pocket's trying to build here. I think he's too slow. I don't think he's a good skater. He doesn't take the chances to shoot the puck as much as he should. Uh, I see I see a lot where he he actually like honestly like you said like the last 5 to 10 games he's looked really good and really on but then he makes a good move and then passes the puck into nowhere and I'd rather him just take that shot even if it just goes into the goalie's chest I'd rather see Besser shoot the puck but I feel like he's made made himself a better playmaker these past few years over than just making himself a sniper but I yeah, just think 100%. I just think that we should trade him. I, I think he'll he'll do really good somewhere else, and I think he'll do better than what he's doing here somewhere else. Yeah, I just don't think he's the the player that we all were expecting him to be and wanting him to be. But he's still uh, a very, he's still a very good player. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I think one of the things I've had a problem with him in the last couple of years is well, obviously he was crazy as a rookie and went to the All Star game and. Yeah, future looked really, really, really bright with him. And I think the main problem I've had with him the last few years, one of the, or what you brought up is skating. Obviously, he's not the best skater in the world. And also, his release is just terribly slow. Yeah. And it takes so long to get the puck off. Which I, which it never was sl- that slow back in the day. No, I know. And it's like every year, I'm like, okay, best. Obviously, he has to be working on his release over the offseason. And every single year, it seems like it's that slow and then he either gets checked or he misses the net uh or he gets blocked whatever so be it he's just he does not have a quick release whatsoever anymore and it's just really pissed me off in that (laughs) and i completely agree with what you said about how he would thrive somewhere else i don't think vancouver is the environment where that type of player is supposed to be right now obviously he's at a point in his career where He's entering his prime, and he's going to need some development for sure. Uh, and I don't think Vancouver can get that done. So whether that be somewhere that can develop him as a faster skater or put him on the ice with someone that can dish him the puck with some time to set up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 I agree that Vancouver is not the place for him, and I... If I was Alvin, then I would get rid of him in a heartbeat for sure. It it is something to note about Besser that he has been dealing with a lot of personal issues with his uh, dad the last couple of years. Um, he's also been dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, I really do think that if Cal Clutterbuck never hit him into the bench like that one, I think that was the first injury he had, right? Yeah, I believe so. 
I, I, I truly believe he's a different player. I, I think that did alter his, uh, the type of player he was at the time. But that being said, uh, he's still, like, we still remember the, his first two seasons. I truly think that his best season was the COVID year. Yep. He had uh, four, 49 points in 56 games, 23 goals. Uh, he, I think he looked better than Miller that year. And, we just, and he just hasn't had that kind of that quick step he used to have. Yeah, and that was that year was the best that the Canucks have done in eight, nine years. Yeah. Since 2015 was the last time before that they made the playoffs, so. Um, <sighs> yeah. No, I'm talking about the bubble year. Yeah, I know. Okay. No, before that, though, before the bubble year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, let's kind of move on to what your thoughts on Bavillier is, because he is the newer player. Do you think that we should keep him around and kind of make him our third line like maybe your third line winger that maybe is the new Pearson per se not technically the same player but maybe put him in that role or do you think he's playing well enough that maybe on this off season or this upcoming season we can flip him because right now he has 16 points in 20 games since yeah he is crazy right now and I am kind of loving that that trade not gonna lie I was really sad at the beginning um, obviously, I haven't been on this podcast before, so you guys have talked about the the bow trade already. Obviously, yeah, you can go into it a little bit if you want. Upon first glance of that trade, I was honestly just really sad because Bo was a player that wanted to stay in Vancouver, and he was kind of the heart and soul of the team. As had kind of been on those up and downs these last many many years, and it's like right when the team is kind of on the upslope. Uh, who knows with this team anymore? But uh, when he go- when he went, I was I was really sad to see him go, and I would have rather seen in that moment Miller go instead of Horvat. Um, but obviously, Beauvillier has had a couple slow years in in New York. Um, so coming here, I was a little skeptical. But obviously, the numbers that he's put up in in Vancouver don't lie, and uh, I believe he's surpassed bow and or new points at least yeah you can keep talking i'll look that up real quick yeah for sure but yeah like he he's 25 and so (laughs) here one sec so since joining the new york islanders i think i already said that bovillia has 16 points in 20 games and bo horvath played 19 games and he has nine points there we go and he has one less goal than bovillia or two less goals. Two less goals of Bavillier at this point. Perfect. And we have a prospect and a draft pick on top of that. So obviously you can't compare that after 20 games. I don't think that's very feasible. But It's not a draft pick anymore, sadly. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like he's 25. Obviously the start he's had here is great. Um, I'd really like to see what he would do. Obviously with the Vancouver management staff right now want uh disregarding doing a full rebuild and claiming it as a retool uh, which i don't necessarily agree with either um obviously we'll get into that with the ronick signing as well um but yeah man like i i really enjoy watching beauvillier so far um i'm kind of unsure as to as to what to do with them right now so if he keeps producing numbers for the rest of the year, obviously his uh, value will be up a lot higher than it would have been last year at this time. 
Um, but yeah, what do you think about that? No, I really like Bavillier, and I see. Like the thing is, it's like before you went on this like this really good run with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. I and I liked him even before like the first couple of games, and I wanted to sign him because I didn't think that right now he's rocking a four million dollar contract, four point something. But I I wanted to re-sign him because I like the player, and I think that he does fit what we're trying to build here in our retool. But the more points he puts up, the more money he's going to demand in the next contract. So I was kind of wanting to, if he didn't really do as good as he did, as he's doing right now, maybe give him a $3 million contract. But he's kind of blowing those out of the water right now, uh, being a really solid player on alongside PD and Kuzmenko. Yeah. So uh, whatever we truly do with him, I'm on board with. Uh, I'm not really a married to the player, but I also do yeah. like him. So uh, whatever management does decide to do. 100%. Um, yeah, right. I think I'd be okay with their, them signing as long as it's not too much. Um, obviously, with the salary cap going up in the next couple of years, likely. Um, I think if he continues to produce at this rate, then a $4 million deal would be unreal. But yeah, I would understand their logic if they were to get rid of him as well. So, yeah. All right, Mikheyev Garland, go. Well, uh, Mikheyev. Mikheyev's a bit of a hard one because he is injured and he was injured all yeah. year. So, And I don't know if you guys have talked about this before, but I found it a little a little odd just the, the way this year has gone because obviously we kind of got bounced from uh, playoff contention and then right after that, it was right after that, after kind of all hope was lost for the season, then Mikheyev went on LTIR and he was out for the rest of the year. And then the whole thing with Bruce went down and then Todd comes in and now they're winning all these games. And it's almost like Mikheyev, like it was one of those injuries that he could have played through if we were in contention, but um, obviously we kind of had to sell the season a little bit. But um, for Mikheyev's time in Vancouver, I really enjoy his play. Um, I don't know what his salary is at right now. I'll look that up really quick. But uh, I think like he's massive, plays with a lot of heart, uh, like really fun to watch. It's not a guy that you would think that would be that quick on his feet. He's, he's making 4.7 until okay. 25, 27. But like a really big guy that you wouldn't think would be that good with the puck and, and that fast and and fine of a skater as well too. So. Um, honestly, I, I really enjoy him being on the team. I, I really enjoy that deal as well, or I like the deal. 4.7. Um, I think that was a great pickup from from Toronto. So, yeah, I have no I have no issues with him being on the team. And I think um, as we continue to, to, to develop as a team over the next couple of years, um, we're going to need uh, fast, aggressive players like like him as well that can also score goals when they need to. So. I also like that he's defense first. So yeah. I, I think I think putting him on a line with Kuzmenko and Pedersen, or even putting him alongside Miller, uh, that's a very good one-two punch as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree. Uh, if you want to jump on to Connor Garland, what you think we should do with him, and if you would like for him to stay on the team? Yeah, Garland. I I, I go through waves with Garland. To be honest with you, he, yeah, me too. Like he'll have like a four-game stretch where he'll look crazy and he also plays like the most unorthodox style of hockey ever but honestly like garland 
is a player that I don't think will ever get up to the first line. And I don't think he's that's where he's meant to be. I think where he's playing right now on the third line is is fine with right now with uh, Amon and, and Joshua. Um, but yeah, I I don't have any problem with Garland being on the team. I like he's fun to watch. Like he's he's really shifty and plays with plays with a bit of grit too. Like he, he's not not afraid to throw the body around a little bit too when he can. Um but yeah, I I like Garland. Um but in terms of him producing, it's just very up and down sometimes. So sometimes he's really noticeable and nice. Has the puck lots. Just going through guys around. Little shifty moves, but overall I haven't been overly impressed with his with his play uh this year, even though I like him as a player. It almost feels like sometimes he has the puck and he'll just get himself into trouble. Yeah. I don't know. Like he has the puck so much in the offensive zone and it feels like sometimes it just leads to nothing and it's just like a waste of a waste of an offensive zone uh start. So yeah, but uh, no, I agree with everything you said about Garland. There, the only thing that I would kind of uh, go back on is that, like, I do like that he's on the third. Like, he is a third line type of player, uh, and I think he's a really good third line player because he is good defensively and he does put up the points. Uh, he has thirty eight points in sixty eight games. That's fine as a third liner. Um, maybe if he had a, some better third liners that played with him, because I think Oman and Joshua are more for, like very good fourth liners, but. Uh, thing about garland is that his contract's way too big to be a third liner yeah i think he's making just under five million so uh that's what mckayev's making and he's and we kind of locked him in as a second line player right so uh, as much as i do like garland i think that his contract weighs him down a little bit more mm-hmm. from and i feel like that money could be used on defense a lot better oh 100 yeah i think when i think of connor garland i kind of picture him in the offensive zone along the half wall kind of like trying to go through guys' legs with the puck, but not necessarily setting up anyone else. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's all puck control with him. Yeah, it is. Um, but if he can learn to to create some space for himself as well and, and try and set guys up there. Um, yeah. Which I feel like he like that's like his whole thing of his like little spins and all that, but it never works out. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like it's like once every it's like one in every five tries. Yeah. And and when it works, it looks awesome, and it's, and it's one of the best plays of the game. But it's almost like you said, it's very on and off. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, his contract is up in twenty twenty six. Um. So obviously, this isn't a contract year for him. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I I don't think he a third line player of his caliber should be making $5 million a year for sure. I think that money is way better well spent building our defensive core than, than having a third line player that is super up and down like him. So yeah, it's kind of where yeah. I stand with him too. All right. Um, so I'm going to give you three players, just kind of give your thoughts on them. Talk however you want to talk about Nils Hoglander, Vizily Puck Colson and Vitaly Kratzoff. Okay. Um, I guess our three younger guys. You can also throw in Aturatu if you want to talk about him. So we'll do like the four younger core, I guess. Yeah. The last couple of years, like I haven't really minded Puckles and and Hoglander as well. We're both. Um, I think them 
primarily being in Abbotsford right now is really, really good for their development. I think they might have been rushed in to the league a little quick uh, the last couple of years. Um, so I think it's good that they're kind of staying down there right now, building their confidence. Obviously, they have a good team in Abbey um, and really get those those fundamental fundamental skills down and playing pro hockey. So I, I'm really happy we have Holglander and uh, and Puck Holzen. I It's good that they're familiar with the Canucks as well, like kind of coming up and down every once in a while. But yeah, I think in the next couple of years, they could definitely be very, very valuable additions to our team as well. I think the only thing that really brings Paul Colson down, um, I really like Paul Colson. I think he's, uh, I think he's one of our best. I would call, I'm going to start calling him a prospect just right now, even though he's played two full seasons almost. Yep. Uh, not even full. I can't say full. He's played two seasons. But uh, the only thing that really brings Paul down is his uh, lackluster scoring and the guys that were kind of picked above him in the draft. Uh, I don't like to look at that kind of stuff, but. It is kind of a eager thing when Caulfield was still on the board and Boldy was still on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like like I said, I really do like Pod, but I just feel like he needs to start scoring a little bit more just to kind of prove himself and to actually show that he is a player. Yeah, and that I think that like his lack of scoring, uh, especially while being on the Canucks, I think is probably a, a little bit of a result of him being rushed in to the NHL a little fast. Yeah. Uh, so that, and I think talk is really going to help him. 100%. So I think that might have set him back a little bit. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if next year or the year after he's up regularly with the team. And I think talk it will do a really good job with that. What's the stat line you're expecting for him next season? If you, Let's say he, okay, he's yeah, on let's the team full time. 82 games um, with the team. Put him on. Because I, 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 don't, I don't see um, Puck Holson as a fourth line player. I think... Like he would be a third line player, likely if he was to be up in the on the Canucks. Um, but I would love to see like twenty goals, twenty goal, twenty goal season would be crazy. Uh, twenty goals, twenty five assists, so maybe around forty points for him. I would be happy, really happy to see you next year. Yeah, I'm about the same. I, I would say forty is actually like a really yeah. safe number for him. Uh, but I'd say more like fifteen goals, just to kind of like. Yeah, it's five less goals, but 20 for someone who only has three goals in 36 yeah. games this year. What are your thoughts on Kravtsov since he's been here? Only one assist in nine games. That pickup is interesting. It was basically for, it was basically for nothing. That's true. That's true. But yeah, 1.9 games, like, I don't know. Uh, I think because we traded away, it was Lockwood and a pick, right? Yeah, it was a seventh round pick. Okay. Um, yeah, like a, I wasn't opposed to the, the trade at all, and I think Lockwood was dragging the team down a little bit with him. Um, but yeah, I think he's a solid, solid player as well, young guy. So I don't think you can really base your opinion on someone after after nine games too. So it's probably going to take him a little bit to get used to uh, get used to Vancouver and into the new systems as well. Obviously, he's going from a good Rangers team to the Canucks, so that's probably a bit, bit of a change of scenery as well. Um, but yeah, I'd say overall I'm happy with the signing just based on how little we had to, to give up for him. Um, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see what he turns into as well because I don't think it's it's fair to to make any rational or crazy judgments right now. Yeah, that's fair. But right now, because like how we kind of started our, our conversation on the wingers was that 
we have way too many wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, we have about eight wingers that are all top nine forwards, and there's only six spots to uh, kind of give to them. Uh, we didn't even touch on Tanner Pearson and Phil DiGiuseppe, but I feel like uh, Pearson, we don't really need to talk too much on. He didn't really play too much this year, and uh, his injury is pretty unfortunate. He's, I don't know. I don't think he's much of a player. Not anymore. Nowadays. Yeah. Um, I do like Phil uh, DiGiuseppe. I think he's going to be a, a very solid fourth liner. Yeah. I think him, Oman, and Joshua would be a really good fourth line. Yeah. And just one season. thing I would add, jo- or add uh, about Joshua, I love him on the fourth line. I think he's I, perfect. I really like Joshua too. And if we were to turn into playoff contenders, I think he would be like the absolute perfect playoff playoff player for the Canucks. Um, oh yeah, because like right now he has 17 points, nine goals, and 66 games. Which for fourth liner, if I, in my opinion, if you hit 10 hit 10 goals as a fourth liner, that's you've done your job. That's a W on the season for sure. And and being solid defensively, right? Yeah, 100. percent Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that uh, putting Di Giuseppe with uh, Oman and and Joshua, I feel like that actually be a really fast and uh, they're all good, solid, pretty defensively. So yeah, I really like. I would like to uh, give them a run next year about that. But kind of what I was saying for uh, we have eight wingers to fill six spots on the top nine. Uh, get rid of two wingers. I feel like it's. I feel like everyone has the same answers, but I just want to see what you kind of say. Two wingers on the team right now. Yeah. Um, that are in, that are like kind of your top nine. So Hoglander, Bavillier. Guzmanko, Kratzov, Pakholz, and Mikheyev, Garland, Besser. Let's go Garland and Besser. Those I feel like those are kind of like the... I feel like those are everyone's answers just yeah. because of the money that they make and uh, they're kind of un- underperforming. I, I See, like, I hate to say Besser's underperforming because, like I said, 46 points in 61 games actually is a really, really good season and I'm pretty sure he has the same amount of points as Huberto. Um, I haven't... I, I can't... I, I don't want to look that up, but um, yeah. I don't want to say 46 points and 61 is bad, but for what he's making and just the type of player he is, it's just not working out. Yeah, no. And the I, I think the style of play that he's expected to have is just not... He's, so, he's underperforming from those expectations, even though his stat line might look really good. I just... It's, yeah. it's really hard to watch him sometimes because he's either... Getting shots blocked, or he's just so out of the play, or he's just so unnoticeable from the game, but somehow manages to put up quite a few points. Uh-huh. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Besser, Besser would definitely be someone, or in my top two, that I would get rid of for sure. All right, let's move on. We've kind of touched on pretty much all of the forwards so far. Uh, we, I don't really think we really need to talk about Pedersen, unless you want to touch on him, on how he's playing as a season. No, solid. That's all I have to say. Yeah, he's going to crack 100 this year, most likely. Yeah, and that's crazy to even say. And the fact that we've had but, two back-to-back seasons with over 100 points for a forward is pretty great, but standings don't say anything of that. So, Well, like, the only people like hitting 100, let's, say, let's just say, like, Petey will hit 100. Isn't it crazy to say, like, the last three players they had 100, 100 points was all Swedish as well. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Two, both Sedins were back to back, if I remember correctly, and the Nasland in, I want to say, 05. Yep. Just tradition, I guess, for Swedish hockey players to come here and thrive. It is, yeah. Swedes and uh, lots of Russians now, too. 
But uh, yeah, so we'll move on. Uh, moving on from the forward group, we'll go on to defense. Uh, we can kind of just touch on Quinn real quick if you have anything to say about Quinn. He's having a historic season. Uh, if you saw that he was, I think it was the fastest defenseman to 200 assists or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I said it a couple episodes ago. I'd have to reread it, but. Yeah, and it, it wasn't even like the top North American defenseman or, or American defenseman or anything. It's all time, which is crazy to say. Because I think that Vancouver doesn't, obviously they get the Canadian media coverage. But if Quinn was on like New York or Chicago or Boston or something, this would oh, be yeah. making nuts headlines. And so I think he's really flown under the radar the last couple of years about how much of an impact he actually makes on this team and how many points he actually puts up as a defenseman. That's like that's a crazy stat line. Like he passes every single defenseman historically in assists in the first two hundred games or two hundred assists. That's crazy. But just kind of adding on to what you're saying, I think it's even more impressive when you put in the fact that he's been doing this practically alone. Yeah. Um, I'd say he's the only defense, like good defenseman we've had for the last since he's actually been on our team, except for I don't know who do you want to say Tanov, Ekman Larson last season, and Luke Shen. <laughs> yeah. Ethan Bear, maybe. I don't even like he and sixty five points, sixty five games, he's a plus sixteen. Like he's pretty much been playing with Luke the whole time. Yeah. And I think like obviously us losing Tanov a few years ago, that was a big blow because that pairing was a dream. Um Tanov and Hughes, but yeah, you just like you compare it to to other teams and like for example, like Paul Coffey or something slinging uh pucks up to Gretzky. Or Nurse to McDavid or something like that, and and Nurse isn't putting up these points at all. And so, obviously, Patterson's a great forward to have to pass the puck to, um, but he's not McDavid or Gretzky or anything. So the fact that Quinn is doing this and and all alone with a a very bare defensive core um, is impressive to say the least, for sure. Now talking about our defensive core, we just added. Uh, a top four defenseman. Uh, we gave up a hefty price. Do you want to talk about the Heronic trade and what we gave up for him and your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think that signing would be great in four years after we have drafted five first round picks and we have a team to build around that kind of player. Um, I don't, we're not in a position as a team right now to be giving up first round picks. And I stand by that as well. As good as Bronick looks like on paper right now, I, I don't understand the logic behind that signing. I obviously like he's putting up more points uh, than Sider this year or did in, in Detroit. But yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't understand uh, why management did that. Obviously, they're they're calling this a retool so i guess this is what a, a retool looks like um but i think this is just very characteristic of the vancouver canucks to do and i think this is like exactly how you stay a mediocre team for the next however many years we're going to because we're staying at the same place in the standings and not getting any better and not getting any worse because they keep making moves. But 
and we're not getting, I think a lot, one thing that people always say is you got to get really bad to get really good. And I believe that as well. And I think you have all the bases covered with our team as well. You got Pedersen at Ford, you got Quinn at D, and you got Demko in goal. So you got very, very, very good players covered at all the positions to build a base around your team. And so my opinion this year was to get as many picks as we could and start from the bottom and start to build up. Um, and I think that's what the entire fan base of the Canucks wanted um, in the first place. Uh, obviously, Hironik's a very good player, and I think he'll probably do pretty well in Vancouver. Um, obviously, we need to add D, but I don't know if that was the right time uh, or with the right price to do that right now. Yeah, you said a lot of the exact same things I said. A whole lot calmer, I'll, I'll give you that. You said it a lot, <laughs> a lot nicer than I did. Uh, if you want to hear my reaction to the trade, uh, it's a few episodes back. It's titled the Heronic, uh, talking about Heronic or something like that. So you can go give that a listen. But yeah, um, I'll kind of play devils. I'll play the side Cam played on when I was kind of going off about this trade. Um, to say that uh, you were saying that uh, you would rather build around this team with draft picks, but some of those draft picks are only going to take three to four years to get into the league. The, the farther that we go down in the draft and the more picks that we get. At that time, Pedersen will be uh, around 26, 27. Quinn will be 26, 27. Yeah, that's going to be their peaks, but is that how long you want to wait to be mediocre? Mm-hmm. Or to actually be good? Yeah, that's, that's a very fair argument, but it's also like you look at all of the top teams in the NHL right now, besides Boston, because Boston continually finds ways to be crazy um but like you take colorado for example like they were bottom feeders of the league um even with mckinnon on the team and then somehow figured a way um to climb to the top of the league and obviously they were the cup champions last year edmonton trash before mcdavid and now they have the chance to win uh the western conference this year so they also have three first round picks before McDavid. <laughs> That's true. And the Taylor Hall trade was just the worst thing on planet earth. But um, yeah, they like you take so many great teams and they all had a couple years where they were just the complete dogs of the league. And so I think like, obviously um, management has some sort of plan here. Um, so if, uh, I want to be pleasantly surprised. I just, uh, I think we've been hurt so many times and we're it's just like we've stuck in, yeah, we're just stuck in this continuous cycle and it just seems like it's never going to end. And that's why I think fans were just like, get us to the bottom of the league. So we get a few top first round draft picks and then we can start to see our time come because I think fans are sick and tired of having positive hopes at the beginning of the year. And then coming like 15 points short of a playoff spot, but not bad enough to get a good draft pick. So I, yeah, I don't know. That's just what, what my first opinion on it. But hey, it might turn out to be really good in a couple of years. So I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I pretty much share the same, the exact same opinion. Like it's just it, the one thing that got me was that we were 27th in the league 
we were, we were pretty much a bottom five pick, and then we went out and we spent uh, we we paid the deadline price, which is the highest price you'll be paying at throughout the whole entire year, throughout the whole entire season. This is the the highest time that that price will or that that player will be priced. Yeah. So that kind of pissed me off when seeing that. It was like, why couldn't we do that in the off season? Apparently, Detroit even knew that our management still liked Toronto. I guess they liked Toronto back in Pittsburgh. Okay. So I guess that they just knew or knew that Rutherford liked Ronick, but I just don't know why we couldn't have done this a little bit later. The one thing that got me was that we added the second round pick on top of the first in the same draft. Like some bright side though is that he's only a year older than Pet- to, than Pedersen. So it's not like we're going out and getting another Ekman Larson who's already 30 and had a career. Pronix, we don't even know if Pronix in his prime yet. Uh, I think he's only 25. He just turned 25 this year. So... I want to stay optimistic after, after being mad about it for a couple of weeks now. I want to stay optimistic. And this really is building towards what we've been wanting, what we've, as fans, have been saying. We need defense. We need a right-hand defenseman. And we got a, a pretty young right-hand defenseman who was kind of under, under, underrated on a Detroit team. Who's, and that's another thing that kind of pissed me off is that Detroit's above us and they sold. Yeah. Where we were way below them, and we bought their player mm-hmm. for for the highest price that they asked for. So, <laughs> but at, but at the same time, it's like this is building a defense core. This is we're just seeing it. So, yep. I want to trust this management. Uh, and even before that, the trades that they were making up to that trade were all what we wanted to see. We got a first and a rookie uh, from Horvat. We got rid of Stillman, and we got Josh Bloom, mm-hmm. who was a rookie. We got uh, Vitaly Kratsov for basically nothing, who is a young forward that yeah. we're buying low on. So it's everything up to that point was looking, was what we wanted to see as fans. And then we kind of took that step back with this trade. But as much as I, sh- I still feel the exact same way that at the, at the time, uh, I, I see the, why we did it. Um, I also see the reason why we're retooling and not rebuilding because if we were to rebuild, then Demko goes, yeah. um, arguably Quinn can go and PD goes because those guys aren't going to stick around. They're already kind of 20, they're already going into their prime. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if these guys are going to want to go into their prime still on the team that has been so disappointing in the last five, six years that they've been on this team. So yeah, I get why we did it. I just feel like it's, the absolute wrong timing and a stupid price to pay mm-hmm. yeah why not why not do this in in three months after the after the season's done and yeah, exactly yeah let's uh yeah we've won seven of our last eight too so that's uh and that's not even with him in the lineup right i <laughs> know <laughs> yeah no he's not even playing right now um, but yeah, like I also saw a lot on Twitter, uh, everyone saying like defending the trade, saying like, oh, like they never told us that they were going to rebuild. This has always been a retool and all that. But it, kicking the tires on this season and going for the the best draft possible because we don't have any prospects. Our best prospect is Atu Ratu, who is an awful skater. He's so slow. We don't even know mm-hmm. if he's actually going to be a center or if he's going to be a winger. We don't know if yeah. he is more than just a third liner. Our other best prospect is Jonathan LeCaramacchi who has been hurt all season and has had a very, very underwhelming season. So I would have rather just made the two picks and then do this with whatever we have at a cheaper price because it's always going to be 
go down to a cheaper price when it's not trade deadline. If you yeah. if you go and look back at last offseason, John Marino, right-handed defenseman, I think he's 24. Um, he went to New Jersey for Ty Smith, and I think it was a second. Wow. And he's having an unreal season. He's one of their best defensemen, right? So mm-hmm. I, I look at that kind of stuff, and it's, it's, also, it's very puzzling of why this is the trade that we make. But I, 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 want, I want to be optimistic, and I want to trust their management. Yeah, and obviously they see something that a lot of fans don't. So obviously we don't have Benning sitting up there anymore. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe this is a positive move. But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. So kind of staying on the topic of defense, we'll, we've already talked about Quinn. We've now talked about Hronik. So let's put these guys aside. Looking at our defense right now, who are the defensemen that you actually would keep on the team? So I'll kind of go through some names right now and just yeah. let's see what you want to say. So, sure. there, so there's Travis Dermott, who has only played 11 games this year, and we, we got him for a third-round pick. We pretty much traded him for Hamnick, which yeah. is still a steal. But I, yep, still think, I still think I would rather keep the third-round pick after what we've seen of Kyle, or Travis Dermott, but I'll let you kind of talk about that in a second. Uh, Noah Juleson, who has been in Abbotsford pretty much all last season and this season. Jack Rathbone, same as Juleson, Tucker Poolman, Kyle Burrows, Christian Wallanen, Brisbois. Uh, so those are kind of your AHL guys uh, that are up and down. Uh, Tyler Myers, yeah. who has one year left. Ethan Bear, uh, Oliver ekman Larson, uh, who could be our future captain. We don't know. And, that, and that's pretty much it. And Philip Ronick. So uh, out of all those guys, who are the ones that you kind of keep in, or like out of that group? Because there isn't very much to choose from. Yeah, I honestly I do like Dermot. Um, I think obviously he hasn't shown much in Vancouver. I'm just looking at his stats as a Vancouver Canuck. Uh, he has three points, twenty eight games, so not too hot. Yeah, twenty eight games um, over two seasons isn't very great. Yeah, no. So obviously he's pretty. Pretty injury prone uh, from an objective standpoint, but I think you also kind of have to look back at his numbers in Toronto as well. And obviously, he was playing with a a better team than we have in Vancouver. But like the twenty nineteen twenty season, for example, thirty seven points or sorry, eleven points in fifty six games. The season before that, seventeen points in sixty four games. Those aren't terrible numbers for for a third pairing defenseman. So I, I was happy with with that signing just because uh, we basically flipped uh, Hamannick for him, um, and he hasn't been able to prove himself much in Vancouver uh, either. So I, I don't know if it's if it's fair to say either that like oh he's terrible, get rid of him uh, because obviously he's been pretty injury prone to Vancouver, but uh, maybe he'll be able to, to turn that around. How do you feel about Dermot? Like I don't. I, I thought he was fine coming over. I was kind of excited for him because he is a puck-moving defenseman. And, and he has kind of a name. He made a name for himself in Toronto. But uh, like I said, and like you've said just before this, uh, he's been kind of underwhelming since he's come over with only 28 games. I think the most he'll ever really be on our team, and this is kind of saying something on a, the defense core that we all know that this defense core is, uh, I don't think he's anything more than a third, third pair defense guy. And, that, and that's on a good team, right? Um, yeah. If I could make my dream third pair, and I don't even know if this is dream, and I don't even know if this would work out, but 
Uh, if we can re-sign Ethan Bear to a reasonable contract and have Travis Dermott play for a full season, maybe those two guys can find some chemistry and be our puck-moving third-line pairing. 100%. I, I guess we'll move on to Bear for the next topic here. But honestly, I've, I've really, really enjoyed Bear on the team. Um, obviously, he got sent down uh, earlier in the season under, under Bruce. Um, but I think, yeah, right now he's playing second pairing with Myers, I believe. But yeah, like, like you said, I think a dream third pairing would be Dermot and, and Bear. I think that would be a great uh, third pairing uh, with Hughes and uh, Hronik on, on the first pairing. And then obviously we need a couple more minutes after that. Well, Hronik um, could also probably just carry his own. His own pair, and then yeah. we'll have to find another right and left-handed defenseman. Yeah, 100%. Something to kind of note that I also forgot earlier was that when you said Kronik has been putting up more points than Marit Sider on a Detroit defense core, he's also been playing with Ben Sherratt pretty much all season. Okay. And Ben Sherratt, as we all know, is pretty garbage nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not even like he was... Do- like, it's, he, I guess he had an anchor. He had an Oliver ekman Larson on his side yeah. but i'd say even oel is better than ben Sherratt. so that's another thing i'm optimistic about Hronik, kind of throwing back to our previous topic but uh, i'll let you kind of go on with what you're saying yeah and, and just going back to the Hronik point on on detroit too and they're not playing with a very stacked team either so i think that's really hopeful uh in that sense as well and he's progressed so hopefully... every season since uh coming into the league yeah and he's still young too so there's definitely time to grow there but just going back to Canucks D, start with Myers. I think a lot of people have the same opinion on him. Uh, obviously, we have uh, one year left with him. He was a betting man. I would say he'd be gone. Um, but you never know. We'll see how that goes. I honestly um, think we should hold on to him until the next trade deadline. And actually try to... Well, if we're getting rid of him... Really, honestly, we have like no reason to trade Myers. He's mm-hmm. like, we're not doing anything next season as, as much as the management, and the coach want to do something next season. I truly don't think that we're going to be the team that pushes up into the top three of our division and all that. Right. Or the top two. Yeah. I do think Tyler could be a, a decent third, third line, uh, third pair guy. But at the end of the day, if we're trying to sell him, we're not going to get a whole lot for him. But if we hold him to the deadline and we try to sell him there, at least we can try to talk him and and maybe swindle a team and try to get a third round pick because anything before that, I feel like we're adding to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally fair to say. Yeah, like, what would you? Uh, what would your contract be if the Canucks were to sign him? Resign Myers. Yeah, no more than two million. <laughs> no more two and a half over two years or something like that. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Like the thing about Tyler Myers is that like he's he's defined by his contract a lot at 6 million and that's coming up to an end, but I still don't think that he plays up to his size. Um, he's six foot eight as per uh, hockey DB, but yeah, I think he plays like he's six foot one. So as much as I want to like Myers, like there's games that I really do like Myers and he uses his size to his advantage, but other games he plays like he's smaller than Quinn Hughes and then gets four penalties in a row. And, he's kind of useless in that game right and then he's losing us those games he's doing more harm than good at some points but yeah i guess we can move on from myers i don't i don't think we'll resign him i think we'll probably trade him at some point or just let his contract run out 
And I also don't think that's a bad decision to make either. Just let it kind of run because that being said, like we don't really have too many defensemen better than Tyler Myers, which is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. That's in that saying something. But uh, what are your thoughts on Burroughs and Willannon? Two di- very different players, but they also could take next uh, take steps next season. Burroughs, I actually am fine with on the team. Obviously, what we were just talking about with uh, um, a bear and who do we have on that third line pairing or third pairing? We had bear, Dermot. and then uh, yeah, and Dermot as well. Obviously, I would take those two players over Burroughs. Um, but based on the team we have right now, um, I have no problem with with Burroughs being on that that third pairing. I think he's very solid defensively. He could be a really good uh, seventh D man. Yeah, and doesn't make too many mistakes. Um, kind of gets in those those gritty spots, like block shots when he needs to as well too. So yeah, I think uh, I don't have any problems with Burroughs. Wallenen, I don't. Obviously, he's only played uh, 14 games this season. It's three points, which three assists, not too, too bad. But yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know if I'm the guy to talk to about, about Wollinen. I, I would be more interested to hear what you think about him. Well, he's looked better than Ekman Larson uh, since coming in the lineup. Um, I think a, a plus seven is actually kind of a, a, a good point to bring up about Willannon, even though plus minus is a very flawed stat, as everyone does say. I still like to look at it for defensive stats just because you were on the ice. It just kind of shows who was on the ice for that goal, right, or goal against. But I really have liked him a lot more than Ekman Larson. Um, let's say in in the universe where we buy out Ekman Larson this offseason, I, really, I would like to give Willannon a shot and see what he can do. Um, with the time that we were giving to Ekman Larson, but it's not like Will Landon is young or anything. He's 27, so I don't know. He's I, 28, I, actually. Oh, is he 28 now? Yeah. So yeah. I don't, I don't have, like, I don't hate the guy. I, I don't love him. I think he's a fine puck moving defenseman, but he does obviously doesn't push to the needle. I think this yeah, is I what is this? His third team. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was drafted by uh, no. Ottawa, and then he played on fourth the team. Kings. Fourth, wow. <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're asking me between between Burroughs and Milan, and I would I would take Burroughs in a heartbeat for sure. Well, even Burroughs has uh, things that other players won't have. So like, even as a seventh defenseman, everyone above him is pretty soft. We don't really have a Luke Shen anymore. So having Burroughs to put into games where we might think that we might get beat up or pushed around a little bit, putting Burroughs in, like, he doesn't back down from everyone. And that's the one thing I really do like about Burroughs and what he brings. So, and yeah. like and like you said, like, he doesn't make egregious uh, mistakes all the time. He's a very solid and steady defenseman. So, um, I wouldn't say he's third-pair defenseman and on, on every team, or we should have him as a third-pair, but uh, Bruce even said in a couple interviews that Burroughs is the kind of guy that doesn't care if he's healthy scratched. He's just happy to be there and happy to be in the rink. And he's also from Vancouver, so yeah, I, I would like to have him as our seventh D. Hundred percent. I'd like to keep him around. Yeah, I completely agree with that. He's only twenty-seven as well. Oh, oh, sorry, bro. Sorry, man. <laughs> but yeah, as we wrap up, I've, I think we've had a really good conversation. Um, I had a topic I wanted to get into that happened today, but maybe we'll 
we'll scratch that. We'll let Cam uh, have a heyday with that one because I know he'll love that one. But uh, thank you to Trey Lindstrom for subbing in for Cam when Cam couldn't make it today. Really wanted to thank you for, for having me on today. And I uh, hope to be on again sometime soon, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, usually uh, Cam closes out these podcasts, so I'm not really too familiar with this part of it. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, uh, all tens of you. Um, we have a Twitter up if you guys want to go and follow that and check out when we tweet. But uh, yeah, the Cam's also making a, a TikTok if you guys want to go and see some of the clips that we spew out on this podcast. So yeah, uh, give those a follow. I appreciate you for staying on side with us today. I uh, hope you guys have a good day. Bye.